on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We give you what we're watching for, and we preview OU Cincinnati with Justin Williams. We also preview the great games in a loaded week four of college football, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download it and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Wednesday, September 20th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of September, all you got to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, the Sooners got a tough test this weekend going on the road, a true road game, a true road environment for this yes. one. Yeah, it's going to be – I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, that stadium is going to be packed. It's going to be hopping. And Cincinnati's a really good football team. Even though they didn't look like it at times against Miami of Ohio – it's going to be a really good test. Do you think all the complimentary things Venables said about them, do you think that'll get people off our backs, right? Because people have been coming at us. They're like, you guys said Cincinnati was good. I still think they're good, man. I do too. I don't give a shit what anyone says, frankly. What <laughs> I see is on the film. It's plain and simple. I see D Lyman whipping ass up front, and they got a dual threat quarterback, and that we haven't seen that yet defensively does that mean that we're gonna go get beat no but it means if we don't have our stuff together we absolutely could yeah nipper stadium is going to be rocking for this one i think that fan base is going to show up in a big way the big 12 homecoming thing is going on for this football game right fox big noon kickoff so let's dive in man what are you watching for from ou's defense against cincinnati's offense well, I think we have a good edge on the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, I, their offensive line, they move well. They look a little undersized. I um, think we should be able to have some some, uh, some good success with some penetration and all the different games that we run. Um, you know, what you see out of their offense is, you know, they do a little more variety in the run game than what we've seen. Um, they like a, the outside zone a little bit more than – 
you know, take anyone that we've faced so far. Um, you know, they'll do it with uh, 12 personnel with two tight ends kind of on the ball. They'll do it out of 12 personnel with a, a tight end kind of in the backfield in an H-back position. Um, you know, and they like it, and they like to counter with the boot off of it. And they'll give you the boot with Emory Jones a bunch of different ways. Um, and, you know, they'll run it with him naked where he's got no one out in front of him. They'll have it where he's got a blocker. Um, they run speed option. We haven't seen up to this point this season any, like, true quarterback run game, and we're going to get it a bunch from Cincinnati. They're going to run speed option. They're going to run, like, a triple option look. Um, they're going to run the boot, like I said. And I imagine, you know, there's been a little bit of zone read stuff on the edge, not a whole lot, but I think we're going to see that. I think they're going to, you know, add to that, you know, quarterback run game stuff that we've seen. They do run some empty stuff. And empty screams quarterback run game, quarterback draw, quarterback counter, uh, some different things out of out of that look. Um, the passing stuff, they like to attack you downfield with, like, uh, like scissors, deep post, um, deep over routes, deep three level routes. So it's a it's a good variety. They'll you know off of all the boot stuff, they'll do some of the G pass, which you know I always. It's kind of like a fake boot. It looks like it's going to be boot, but he sets up in the pocket, throws it deep, back across the field the other way. So I mean, you'll see some good stuff. Um, you know, I I. I think that we can win the line of scrimmage physically, but, you know, this offensive line is quick. You know, they've – I don't know how what their size is. I didn't go look at it. They don't look big, but they look like they're some pretty athletic players. Yeah, they're all hovering in the, like, 315 range. Yeah. Right? And I, I think they've got a – their center's about 305. Now, who knows if those are accurate – Weights, but they're 310, 315, 305, 320, 315. One of the reasons they look so athletic, no knee braces. Yeah. No knee braces for these guys. Whoever whoever made that decision, God bless you, sir. Yeah, everyone, I was laughing at that because, which, you know, they wear black, which black makes you look, you know, slimmer and leaner anyways. And then everyone's got their their pants like, three or four inches up above their knees. So everyone looks like they're just flying around out there. Yeah. I, I think the left tackle 75, John Williams, I think he's the weak link I agree. In, in the group. I've not been overly impressed with him. This is what they do. You mentioned how athletic they look. And I, I think it's got everything to do with their philosophy in the run game. They run zone and they fly off the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. And they are, they're all in on it. They are a zone scheme running team. Wide zone, inside zone, a lot of different variations that you see in the NFL, right? With where the fullback, they use a true fullback where he inserts on linebackers. And it's interesting because you just don't see a ton of this in college football. OU hasn't seen a ton of it. You saw some zone from Tulsa, but this is a team that is dedicated to zone zone running. Right? And they ver- in multiple variations of zone blocking schemes. So, 
it, you're right, man. It comes down to being good up front, reacting, right? You can't get reached over and over. You got to stay in your gap. You got to fight like hell. And when you're fighting like hell, you can't just go flat and horizontal defensively. You've got to continue to press the line of scrimmage. But you know how much I love zone, man. <laughs> yeah. But I would love for Cincinnati's zone running scheme to fail miserably against Oklahoma. That's what I'm hoping for. But I like the scheme. I really do. I do too. And I'm curious to see, you know, on what we've seen mainly so far is like the inside split zone stuff. And we run a lot of twists to to kind of attack the edges of that. And it's been pretty good for us. We have lost contain on it a couple of times, but it's like a, just a, like a quick little exit. And, you know, it, it creates a little bit of havoc there. I'm curious to see how we play our defensive line with the, with the outside zone stuff. Um, are we going to, we're going to twist. Are we going to stunt some guys to try and maybe keep that thing outside and define it? Or we're going to play it straight. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what our, what our adjustments going to be to that? No, that's that's definitely something to watch. Now, also looking at their offense, I think it's undoubtedly the best group of skill guys that OU's played. Right? You look at Xavier Henderson, Henderson number really eight good. at wide receiver. Braden Smith, zero, has had a couple of the best catches I've seen all year in college football. At Corey Kiner at running back. I mean, I I look at their skill group. They got a dangerous. They got a dangerous group of guys. You heard Venables, what he called him a three-headed monster on offense. Yeah. You throw in Emory Jones and what he can do with his legs. They've got a they've got a very, very impressive group of skill guys. Like physically impressive, but also a couple guys that probably playing on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is I I I wouldn't say their offense doesn't blow me away, but what they're good at happens to probably be what I would consider our weakness with a, a dual threat quarterback. Like we've lost contained a bunch on the quarterback this year. Like most of our plays that we've given up in some way, shape or form, it gets back to uh, poor rush lanes on the quarterback, letting him get outside and, and create some stuff on us. There's been quite a bit of that. And, no one that we've played is anywhere close to being able to run like Emory Jones. Now, um, he'll throw the, he'll turn the football over. You know, there's, they've struggled offensively at times with big mistakes in critical areas. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's our best test to date. Right? It's, I think it's, I think it's more dangerous than what we saw from SMU just because of the variety that you get and, and the quarterback that they're willing to run. And we know that we're going to see him run quite a bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I think the goal would be if you're in, if you're Venables and you're that defense, the goal is like, Hey, force Emory Jones to play quarterback from the pocket. Right. Yeah. I, I may have a meltdown if I see our defensive line rush past the quarterback this week. It may be a complete meltdown because he will he will flat out make you pay. He can he can go from standing in the pocket to tucking it and gaining ten yards in an instant. 
And if we go flying upfield and open the gate for him to do that there in the in the B gap, he'll do it. He'll do it really quick, and he'll do it all day long. I'm with you. Any any other keys? You know, Venables said they expect Hassan McCullough back. It'll be interesting to see how they use him at that cheetah position, kind of where he fits in in this game. Uh, any you other thing? You might see like a, you might see a true. This would be wild because you'll see a lot of twelve personnel with them. We may see a true Deshaun playing a cheetah, but it's a Sam backer, and Peyton Bowen or Reggie Pearson playing the cheetah or nickel whenever they go eleven personnel. You know, because I think that Deshaun gives you some really good things at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, people trying to attack that spot, you know, bubbles and run game to it. But obviously, he's going to lack some in the passing game. So, I mean, you may see like a true exchange going on out there with the Sam and the nickel. That'd be something we haven't seen in a while. But could we possibly see like a legit 4-3 looking structure of defense on Saturday? By God, what is that even? Is that throwback. even legal? Throwback game. No, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It is. We've been telling people now for a while. Since it do not be fooled by the fact that they lost to Miami of Ohio. This is a good football team. Yep. This is a football team that if OU doesn't show up, especially defensively, like if they don't show up and play their best. I, I don't know, man, but. I think containing Emory Jones is huge, forcing him to be a passer, uh, controlling things against that offensive line. Who well, I'm with you, I don't think is I don't think is great, but I do like the scheme, right? I like the velocity that they play with. I don't think any of those guys are overly talented, but you you cannot give up the big plays to this team. And that's something that I'm gonna be watching for. Yep. You cannot give up the big home run, big play to this team. The reason they lost to Miami of Ohio is because they could not punch it in in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, was, it was it three weird. or four times inside the 10? And they, I think they were forced to kick three field goals. They got stuffed at the one-yard line and fourth down early in the game. They settled for the field goal late in the game. It got blocked. Like The fact that they lost that game is insane. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And their their defense, like some un uncharacteristic things, like gave up like an eighty yard touchdown on the first play of the game. Yeah, you know, and gave up a touchdown, and then they answered with a really nice touchdown drive, and then 
the next play that Miami of Ohio had was an interception down inside the five, and they didn't punch it in. So it's just a weird, weird game for them, but they're incredibly dangerous. Yeah. How about Emory Jones? There's a point in the game, wide open, 60-yard touchdown to be had. He barely overthrows the guy. By the way, didn't think the wide receiver, you know, kind of gave full effort on that whole situation. It was weird to watch on tape. Yep. Miss a 60-yard touchdown. What's he do the next play, Ted? Throws an interception. That's right. That's how it yeah. works. Yeah, it was it was just a really weird game for them. All right, anything else? I think OU's that's defense. it. I think that's it. All right, let's let's talk about things to watch for OU's offense versus the Cincinnati defense. First of all, this is what you're going to be looking at. It is a four-man front, but it is an odd structure. So you will see four guys on the line of scrimmage the majority of snaps, but they will be in odd spacing, meaning there will be a defensive lineman head up with the center and then guys kind of on the inside shade of the tackles in four eyes, and then they'll have an outside linebacker walked up on the edge. Now, the outside linebacker, number nine, Daniel Greshik, he's 250 pounds and he can rush the passer. You, you need to treat him like a defensive lineman in the run game, in the pass game. He will play off the ball some, but, Ted, he's not out there to cover people. He's All out right. there to rush the passer and to set the edge in the run game. And in obvious passing situations, right, second and long, third and long, they'll get to a traditional four-man even front, right? Two defensive linemen on each side of the center. So you got to recognize the structure. You got to treat number nine like a defensive lineman. This game may be simple, man. Can we block two and zero? Dante Corleone and Juwan Briggs. OU's interior offensive line has not been, they have not been a strength so far this season. And these guys are both NFL players. It, there's going to be a big conversation about, hey, what's going to go on at left guard? I don't know. Haven't asked. Whether it's Savion Bird, Caden Green, Troy Everett, but I know this. No matter who OU puts out there, Cincinnati's going to have a plan to attack that guy. Right, I know that SMU's plan was to attack that spot. So no matter who it is, I think Cincinnati's going to have a similar plan. So if it's Caden Green, man, what a spot. If it's his first start as a true freshman on the road in that environment against those two guys. A hell of an opportunity. Hell of an opportunity. From everything I've been told about Caden Green, he's not going to be scared. Yeah. But I just... I mean, it could be that simple, man. These are two really, really good players. And you cannot you cannot let these guys wreck your game. You got to have a plan. Uh, whether that's, hey, you got different plays when they're on the field as versus, you know, when they're off the field. But taking care of these two guys at the line of scrimmage, at, for OU's offense, I think it's the most important thing in the game. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And from the pieces of film that I've watched on them against Pitt, against Miami of Ohio, like the defensive line controls the game for Cincinnati. I mean, that's that's the strength of the football team. And they're deep, too. Now, Corleone and Briggs are the stars, but they rotate a bunch of good guys in there. I mean, they've got they've got you know, what, three or four guys that come in and give them really good reps. 
I honestly think they rotate too much. Yeah. Personally, I, I, I don't understand why Corleone's not playing more snaps. I agree. There's times that when he's not out there and you're like, well, where is he? But 90, is it 90? Is yeah. one of the guys, he's good too. He can no run doubt. Man, for a big guy. And I, that's why one of the other things I'm watching for is how is Cincinnati, what's their philosophy going to be coming into this game defensively? Because the philosophy they had in the pit game, especially in the second half, versus the philosophy they had in the Miami of Ohio game, it's like night and day, man. I can't figure it out. They were super aggressive against Pitt. Lots of pressure. Just, I mean, heated them up over and over and over again and played cover one behind it. I mean, last play of the game, game's on the line. They go zero on Dracovic. Mm-hmm. And then against Miami of Ohio, hardly any blitz. They play way more, you know, deep zone coverage. They were doing all this like twisting up front. They had all these snaps of Corleone like looping from the nose guard position to be the contained player. I I honestly at times I was like, what are they doing? Like, what is happening? What am I watching? So I I'm interested in seeing what version they got to watch that tape and go and go, hey man, we got too cute with it. Like, what were we doing? I would imagine. We're going to get more of the super aggressive stuff. Yeah. I, I, the interesting part for me is because I believe, I think we're going to have a really hard time running the football. I just do. You may disagree. Um, How could I possibly disagree with what we've seen up to this point? And you factor in that these are the two best interior defensive linemen they've played. Right. Um I, where I think we have a chance is when the, if they do go cover one or zero. I think that's where we have a chance to run past them and hit them on some big stuff. Uh, here's the thing. I, if I were Cincinnati, I'd be watching the I'm, – I'm watching the personnel. If four is in – I'm giving help deep. I like I'm I'm playing zone with multiple guys deep. And I know Andrew Anthony's there, but if you have one guy, you can pay way more attention to him and cover one. Right. So I'm I'm leaning to to number five, Andrew Anthony hard. If five and four are in the game, we got problems. All right. We you know what I'm saying? We we gotta have two safeties back. So that's what I would be doing if I was Cincinnati. If if four's not in there, I'm pressuring. I'm pressing up on our on the wide receivers at the line of scrimmage and making Dylan Gabriel under duress throw it into man-to-man where those guys look covered because they're small. That's what I would do. I. It's almost as if you're in their defensive meeting room. I think that's exactly <laughs> how they're going to be thinking. And you mentioned Andrell Anthony. Levy, if they're going to play aggressively in the back end like that and bring pressure, you got to find ways to get Andrell Anthony on number 12, Justin Harris. It, it seems like every time they've given up a big play this year, it's 12 getting run by, right? The the AD Arder to start the game against Miami of Ohio, mm-hmm. 12, right? And then Miami of Ohio's offense that game was that play 
it was QB scrambles for huge chunks, and then it was throw verticals and get pass interference called. Like that's that that was the game plan, and it worked to their credit. Good game but, plan. Yeah, but if you can get Andrell Anthony or Nick Anderson right on number twelve, I, I like that matchup. So we'll see. We'll see what their mentality is defensively, but I'm I'm expecting them to be more aggressive. I'm expecting more of the pit mentality versus the uh, Miami of Ohio mentality. And if that if that's the case, running backs better buckle up, man. Because number six, Dorian Jones, one of their inside backers, Ooh. he is hell on wheels when he's blitzing, boy. My goodness. Yep. He will absolutely strike you. He can run. I like both their inside backers. I think they're both pretty good. Um, six is is the guy that can run and he can strike you. He's the NFL player. Uh, what's the other one? 40, 47, something like that. He's, you know, he's a little bit bigger, not quite as fast, but they, they play downhill. They're in their gaps really good. They looks like they understand their fits, uh, really nicely. So yeah, six yeah. is legit. Yeah. 49 he's the best backer we faced by far so far. Yeah. He's the best backer we've seen, but 49. How about this? Six four two forty, yeah, he's yeah, and they'll play him at the line of scrimmage. They can kind of interchange him uh, with with uh, with Greshik number nine. Like they'll they'll bring him and be have him be like the true outside linebacker guy and rush the passer. So it's it's a good group. I, I think the strength of their defense is the front seven. So that leads me to some of my run game thoughts. Cincinnati, and they do too much of it, in my opinion. They do quite a bit of slanting and angling and looping uh, in, in the run game. And it can kind of create some gap confusion for their defense. And if you can cut guys off, there are creases. So it, it'll be interesting to see if some of the counter stuff for OU, like if they can cut guys off from angling into the gaps they're supposed to get into, then there should be some money made there. And then I feel like I ask for this all the time. Please, more perimeter runs. Outside, yeah. if, if they are going to run outside zone this season, this is the game, right? And we saw them run a pin-pull play in the opener against Arkansas State. Had a lot of success with it. Remember Walter Rouse getting out in space, ruining corners' lives. Yep. You are not going to move if Cincinnati, unless Cincinnati helps you and keeps doing some of the slanting and angling and looping that they've been doing. With what we've seen, we're not driving two and zero off the football. You got to make those guys move. You got to make them react at the snap. Outside zone is the way. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think Marcus Major is a perfect one cut outside zone, wide zone, whatever you want to call it. I think he's perfect for it, especially the size, like the physicality since he's defense plays with. I think he's perfect. I just don't know if they're going to do it, man. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. If they're going to run outside zone, this is the game, baby. Come on. Yeah, I, I'd like to see it. And whether it's whether it's outside zone or just – I would expect to see a whole bunch of our little, the little quick touch pass stuff. 
just to neutralize that defensive line and make those guys have to run, right? We see Levy do this from time to time. Like, we're not going to mess with those guys inside. We're going to make you guys pursue the ball laterally and run. But you can only do that so long before you have to actually attack them with some legit running stuff. But, yeah, whether it's whether it's pin pull, getting on the perimeter, some toss stuff, like whatever it is, like you've got to find a way to get away from the teeth of their defense for sure. I am – I'm in full agreement. I also think Dylan Gabriel's legs can be a big way a big weapon in this game. I picked Dylan Gabriel as the leading rusher for my bull take or whatever well, it is. Well, you look at Miami of Ohio's quarterback Gabbert. I mean, he had a huge day scrambling. And it's not like scrambling when he was on un, under pressure. Was, once again, since he playing conservative, rush three, dropped eight guys in coverage, and there's just these huge running lanes for me just took off yeah so and had a ton of success to it and that guy can scoot a little bit by the way but last couple thoughts tempo can be OU's friend in this game right when used properly of course but that's why getting that first first down and, and being able to get into tempo mode is going to be very very important in this game because Ted, and I know you see it on the tape. Cincinnati, they they get their calls in late defensively. Yeah. I mean, time and time again, their opponent's ready to go. They're still looking at the sideline. They're getting it in late. They're getting lined up. So I, I have no doubt that Levy will see that and will want to go fast at trying at times and see if Cincinnati's defense can speed up their operation because – you know, there's multiple snaps where they're not even I, – I don't even know if they have the call and the ball's being snapped. So that is – that's something to keep an eye on as well. No, I, I agree. Um, I – that worries me to a certain extent because I I get frustrated because at times I think we rely on it too much and – like it's it's our it's our answer instead of having more variety and and more ways to attack you we just try to go faster and faster at times and you know if they're not getting the call in late and they're ready to line up and they've got answers for that well you end up playing right into their hands uh you know with their defensive line so i'm with you uh i think we we've got to be smart when we flip that switch and and go quick and whenever we have a little bit more of a methodical tempo you got any other thoughts anything you've seen from cincinnati's defense i think the rpo stuff in the middle of the field can be good uh eastern kentucky had some success right with some of those run fakes rpos pulling them out and throwing some slants in behind those backers the backers play the run aggressively yeah i mean they really do so i well that's the thing is like we're i think there's going to be if 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 we're just going to be counting the box, I got a feeling we're going to be relying on the RPO stuff all day long. So I hope I hope it's hitting, and it's you know that is a good way to take their defensive line out of it, right? Get those guys frustrated with coming off the ball hard over and over and over and getting no action on the inside. Everything's dumped to the perimeter. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's get to call your shot. 
we asked you guys the number one thing you were watching for in OU Cincinnati. This first one comes from Ephraim Barrera. Pretty simple. <laughs> a running game. There you go. I, it, it'll be interesting, right? And we talked about it, but the running game, the explosive runs have not been there. Right? You look at the advanced metrics, right, that our buddy Bill Connolly does. OU has one of the least explosive running games in the country right now. Now, it it's not a bad running game. Like, their success rate and that stuff, it's decent. But from an explosiveness standpoint, it's not where you want it to be, Ted. So, I, I would love for this to be the game where everything just comes together and they're ripping off a bunch of explosive runs. Well, and, and it might be, you know, I I think that I think they're going to play a super aggressive, a lot of cover one, a lot of cover zero, and they're going to dare us, you know, to to throw some one on ones, and if they have uh, some success shutting that down, like at some point we're going to have to run against those really aggressive fronts, and if you can block it, and as a backfield we can make the open guy miss. The, a lot of times the most explosive runs come against the most aggressive defensive fronts, right? So there's no one left if you can make that that extra guy miss and then you're off to the races. I'm with you. So I, I think that that is – I think that's going to be huge in this game. And then we got a lot of responses about Dylan Gabriel, right? And I like this one from Airborne, Airborne Oki. He said, will DG continue to shine against better competition or will his limitations start catching up to him? Th this does feel like a big game for Dylan Gabriel, right? And I, just like you, I have my doubts about, oh, you really getting the running game going in this one. This is, this feels like a game that, no, it could hinge on the way that Dylan Gabriel plays for Oklahoma. And he's been really, really good up to this point. So um, I, I think that his performance, like he's got to play really well for OU to walk out of there. I, I'm not going to say with a win, but like for that offense to put some points up, it, 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 could, it could rest on number eight's left arm, you know? Yeah, and, you know, here's the – Here's the part about that that is he if you have a complaint about Dylan Gabriel, it's it's maybe that when the when the situation is 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 perfect, he'll turn your lights out. But if it's not, things get really difficult really quickly. And I'm worried that he's not it's not gonna be perfect. You know, the one interception he's thrown this year was under pressure, getting hit as he threw it, and I, if our offensive does offensive line doesn't play well, there could be a lot of those situations for him where he's under a ton of pressure in the pocket. But he's also made some really nice plays off of that type of situation in the scramble drill. I'm with you. Important game for him, right? Yep. Especially you start thinking about stats he's putting up, right? Possible you know, Big 12 player of the year type of season if he's able to continue to play at a high level. And who knows? Yeah. Maybe more than that. But 
Yeah, it's a big one for him. All right, birthday shout-outs. Welcome to the world. Brady Drew Delavadova. How about that? Happy third birthday to Remington Connors. Happy fourth birthday to Connor Rousey. Happy fifth birthday to Lily Lemons. Happy 14th birthday to Lucas Runge. And happy 16th birthday. Late edition right here, Ted. Happy 16th birthday to Jaden Dugan. D-U-G-A-N. Dugan. Nice. Happy 27th birthday to Jacob Streeter. Happy 57th birthday to Sooner Andy Bousman. And happy 60th birthday to Kenneth Factor. All right, let's learn a little more about the Cincinnati Bearcats with Justin Williams. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you get your phone charger or, headph- or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. It's hunting time in Oklahoma. And if you're looking to buy some hunting property, the land doctors can help you find the ideal ranch. They build custom hunting lodges and lakes and can turn Oklahoma's raw land into your personal playground. If you'd like to sell some land or simply want to add to your portfolio, then give Colton Cole a call at 405-615-7645 or visit LandDoctors.com. And celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Aleworks. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can join at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit SchoonerAle.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. All right, here's Justin Williams. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man that covers not only Cincinnati, but he covers the Big 12. Now for the athletic, Justin Williams is in the house. Justin, how we doing, man? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me. Gosh, just that that mic sounds fantastic. (laughs) Perfect. All right, so wanted to start here. Clearly a disappointing loss for Cincinnati leading into this Oklahoma game. Do do you think that takes away from this game at, at all? Do you expect that to affect the atmosphere? Like what what do you think the impact is of that Miami Ohio loss on this game against Oklahoma? Yeah, it's definitely a little deflating for the fan base, especially, you know, a lot of people weren't sure what the expectations should be coming into this season with a new coach and so many new pieces. And then, you know, they look really good against an FCS team in week one, go on the road and beat Pitt in week two. And I think Cincinnati fans were that optimism was was picking up. 
I don't think there's many people that felt like uh, Oklahoma's going to come in here and Cincinnati's going to, you know, take them out. But to go into that game, especially once you get the big noon treatment and, and you're at three and zero going against an undefeated ranked Oklahoma team, I just think it was going to help a little bit of the hype and excitement for that game purely among Cincinnati fans. And I do feel like that took a little bit of a, a hit, let a little bit of air out of the balloon um, with the loss to Miami. That was, uh, you know, a bad loss. First time in 17 years, Miami, Ohio had won. They did it in Nipper stadium. Um, so for, for fans that were really looking forward to getting into big 12 play and having that, you know, Oklahoma team, you know, type team come into Nipper stadium and play definitely hurts it a little bit, but I still expect it'll be, you know, come Saturday, with, with the big noon pregame show and that first big 12 game, I expect it'll be a really good environment in Nippert stadium, uh, you know, especially kickoff in that first quarter. Well, yeah, I think there's, there probably a bit of a look ahead factor going on there to some degree um, with Oklahoma coming to town and the big 12 uh, opener and all of that stuff, because I think Cincinnati's a really good football team. I think they're really good. Uh, both sides of the ball. I think they, they have some really good stuff going for them. Uh, what do you think whenever you look at that game was that look ahead or is or did you see some flaws with this squad that they really have to address moving forward I don't know if it was look ahead as much as it was just red a lack of red zone execution you know yeah. I think they ran they, they had eight red zone trips if you count the the overtime you know red zone trip they had and they scored 24 points you know that they had like 17 snaps inside the 10 and just were either turning the ball over on downs or kicking field goals you know like if a couple plays go different in that game they're blowing Miami out and no one's you know feeling disappointed or, or a little bit let down after that game they just didn't execute in the red zone now I do think because they didn't execute you can kind of look a little bit closer the, the thing that was concerning to me you know, if 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 I'm looking from Cincinnati's perspective, they were not dominating on the line on either side of the ball. And if you're not doing that against a Mac team, you know, maybe a decent Mac team, fine. But like, you know, you're not going to fare well in, in Big 12 play, especially the defensive line. That was supposed to be the, the strength of this team coming in. And, you know, I do think Miami had a good game plan, which was let the defensive line you know, come after us. And then um, Gabbert did a good job of finding those running lanes and taking off because they're playing man coverage behind him, uh, behind the defensive line. So part of it, you got to give Miami credit for the scheme. But offensive line, you know, those red zone inside the five snaps, you should be able to, if you're Cincinnati, to line up and just pound the ball, get in the end zone against a, a MAC team. They didn't quite do that. Whether that was poor execution or whether that was just poor game planning they didn't do that enough you know we'll see um, but certainly if you're not controlling the the line of skirmish against Miami you're probably not going to do it against Oklahoma either so I don't take too much you know if you play that game over 10 times Cincinnati's probably went in nine of them the amount of times they had the ball in the red zone but there were definitely some things that got exposed because they didn't execute that I think they have to pay attention to moving forward what what have you thought of Emory Jones play through the first three games yeah I mean you know from my perspective I've been you know impressed I think if you're a Cincinnati fan you're pleasantly surprised I just wrote you know about kind of the, the quarterback play in the big 12 for the athletic and to me in the conference he's the biggest surprise because 
you know, from just um, inside the program perspective, he looked terrible in spring, was not throwing the ball well at all. Part of that was they didn't have any receivers. You know, they definitely upgraded that room in the spring transfer portal and, and have helped him out a lot with guys like Xavier Henderson and, and Braden Smith. Um, but I think he also just kind of settled into the the program and, and, and the system and has looked a lot better. He's been able to run the ball a little bit, ran for over 100 yards against Miami. I think he has three touchdowns on the ground um, and has had moments where when he can kind of stay in the pocket, go through his progressions, he's hit on some deep balls. He, he's done a good job of going through checks. I don't think it's been you know fantastic by any means, but based on what some of the expectations were heading into the season – I think it's been better than expected. And, you know, I don't know that he was the problem in that Miami loss. So, again, this is going to be by far the best competition they've played in Oklahoma, a defense that I think looked a lot better than last year's Oklahoma defense. So I'm kind of curious as they get into to Big 12 play how he looks. But I would say if for Cincinnati fans, most of them, he's probably been a lot better than they expected coming into the season. You mentioned some of the the skill guys uh, at wide receiver. What what do you think of the entire group, including running back? And what do you think we're going to see as far as game plan to to try and attack that Oklahoma defense? Yeah, I mean, all spring and and honestly all summer, the talk was about how bad the wide receiver room was. They just got decimated. There was one returning. Um, scholarship player from a year ago they lost guys to the nfl they lost guys to the transfer portal and it just looked like it was completely bare bones and i give scott satterfield and his staff credit they went out and they added valuable pieces they they brought d wiggins in who was a guy at miami and then was at louisville with satterfield same thing with braden smith guy who was at louisville with them xavier henderson was florida's leading receiver in terms of receptions last year he looks like an nfl player i think he's tied for uh, Big 12 lead in receptions through the first three games. So they definitely ha- have done a lot. Aaron Turner, UConn transfer is kind of a gadget guy. They found pieces to come in and make this unit better. And it went from being the worst group on the roster to maybe not the best, but certainly kind of one of the better position groups at wide receiver. Running back, it's a lot of guys who have come back, but they're still kind of going by committee. Corey Kiner, Cincinnati kid, LSU transfer, looked really good the first two weeks, played great against Pitt, had a career high rushing yards. And then last week against Miami, he kind of just couldn't find the holes. They brought in Ryan Montgomery, and, and he ended up having a good game on the ground. As much as, you know, I think Oklahoma's front seven is looks much improved to, compared to a year ago. You know, running the ball has always been part of Scott Satterfield's offensive philosophy. And I also think he understands what the tempo that Oklahoma runs on offense, like they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to kind of shorten the game, um, try and grind out some clock, try and limit the possessions and opportunities Oklahoma has to score. So as tough as it might be, I do expect Cincinnati to try and run the ball, whether that's, you know, zone reads or whether that's trying some like end arounds and and jet sweep type gadget plays, just trying to find some lanes where they can keep the ball on the ground, but also keep the clock moving. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what their philosophy is there. Justin, now on the defensive side of the ball, you mentioned that maybe the defensive line hasn't played up to expectation. I think it has a lot to do with some of the things they're doing schematically. Some of the things they're asking these guys to do. I don't think they are maximizing their strengths exactly, but, you know, what has stood out to you about the defense so far this year? Maybe maybe the strengths, like a, the guys that have, you think have played at a high level. 
Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, the, the defensive line was going to be what set the tone for the Cincinnati defense. Dante Corleone, first-team preseason All-American. Juwan Briggs was a, a first-team All-Conference guy in the AAC last year. And I, I do think they played – I think they played really well against Pitt. I think they had five or six sacks. Um, again, maybe not quite as good as they would have hoped against Miami. But the holes, to me, on the Cincinnati defense are in the secondary. And so I think they're putting a lot of emphasis on those guys up front, even at the linebacker crew, which is – trying to get after the quarterback, trying to speed them up because they want to limit the amount of time those guys have to sit back in the pocket and pick apart a secondary that has a, a starting cornerback that's missed the last two weeks and Sammy Anderson and just has, you know, has had some some missed assignments and, and you know, blown coverages that have led to some big plays. So what that will look like against Oklahoma, I'm curious because that tempo is so quick. And some of these guys are they're familiar with Dylan Gabriel. You know, he's he's played in Nipper Stadium. He's played Cincinnati when he was at UCF. He lost in Nipper Stadium. Um, now he's not throwing against Sauce Gardner and, and Kobe Bryant this time around, so it's probably going to be a little bit different. But I think they're going <clears> to <throat> excuse me, going to have to find a way to get after him and make him uncomfortable because we've seen just how accurate he's been early in this season um, and and he's been able to pick teams apart, you know, when he has a chance to, you know, go through the offense and run that, that tempo system they like to run. What's the fan base been like uh, with the transition of power with fickle leaving um, going to the big 12? Like there's a, there's been a lot of change around there. Uh, How's the fan base reacted and and what should Oklahoma fans expect uh, environment wise when they come in? Yeah, the, the change has been interesting, and I, I think it's still ongoing. Um, everyone knew there was going to be a, a transition period going from the AAC to the Big 12, just in terms of competition and, and, and the week-to-week grind. And this team is not the the 2020 team that went to the Peach Bowl. It's not the 21 team that went to the playoff. Like It wasn't going to be that team even if Fickle was, was back this season, but then when he left, there was just some turnover in, in roster and talent. And the the rational level-headed portions of the fan base understood like it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. It's going to take a couple years before they can kind of get up to speed in the big 12, but from an environment perspective, you know, what maybe Oklahoma fans might forget or, or not be not, not remember is, you know, Cincinnati was in the old Big East when it was a BCS automatic qualifier. They went to -to back-to-back BCS bowls under Brian Kelly. Like this was a program that was operating at the top level of college football there for a few years. Then they get left out in the wilderness with conference realignment. It's really been a a 10 or 12 year journey for Cincinnati to kind of get back to that power conference level that they felt like they belong at, that the fan base felt like they belong at. So for this game, you know, getting that kind of, national spotlight treatment getting the big noon pregame show and all that it's going to be a lot of excitement because for Cincinnati fans it's not just the first big 12 game and you're playing Oklahoma it's like the culmination of a dozen year journey that they've kind of been on to get back to this this level of power conference football yeah that's interesting now Justin last one we'll let you get out of here man a lot of OU fans are going to be making the trip give us the recommendations right 24 hours in the city of Cincinnati what what do OU fans need to go do? Where do they need to eat? Where do they need to drink? Give us give us all your recs. So obviously, I'm sure all the the Sooner fans are excited to try the Cincinnati chili, right? Like that that's just um, a top tier delicacy in the culinary world. Uh, I think everyone knows that. I, I I do expect people in the Big Twelve will be wanting will be curious and and trying Skyline chili, Cincinnati chili when they come in. Um, 
I love Cincinnati chili, but I don't proselytize for it. You know, I think a lot of outsiders, I'm shocked when they like it. So if you are coming in and you want to try the Cincinnati chili, go with the Coney, the cheese Coney. It's a little bit more approachable. It's like just a chili dog. Um, but you know, I, I certainly won't begrudge you if you come in and you're like, I'm, I'm not eating that kind of stuff. That's, it, it that's does totally feel fine. like it's been built up so much that you're almost uh, sure to be let down. Right. And and it's Cincinnati fans get their back up or, you know, about it. Not just Bearcats fans, like Cincinnatians, people that live in the city that, you know, they cape up for it. I, I try not to do that because I, I do think it's a little bit of a, a strange food if you're not from here. Um and and if you don't like it, that's fine. More for me. Uh, but I, I think people are going to try it. And, uh, you know, there's usually strong opinions. They're either impressed with how much they don't hate it or they're like, I can't believe people in this city eat this like, you know, multiple times a week, uh, which I do. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, you know, Cincinnati's the campus is cool. There's plenty of places up on like Short Vine and, and kind of that area. But you're also really close to downtown Cincinnati. You know, you, you drop down the hill and you're in over the Rhine, which is like the, you know, kind of cool up and coming area of Cincinnati. There's tons of breweries and bars. Um, I would, you know, it will probably be crowded. But if you have a chance to go to Rheingeist Brewery, uh, they have this beer called Cincy Light, which is actually like an NIL partnership with University of Cincinnati. Um but it's a cool brewery, local Cincinnati place. Um, it's got kind of a nice rooftop area right down in the heart of Cincinnati. That'd be a good place to, to you know, pop into, and then you can head, head up to the stadium. But any kind of area in that downtown over the Rhine spot, tons of restaurants. You can kind of do like the cool, hip, you know, small plates thing if you want to do that. Or there's just places to grab a burger or grab some wings and, and, and kind of hang out. And then I'd encourage people, especially with that early you know kickoff, go check out the the big noon tailgate area and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Cincinnati's really kind of, in, you know, definitely upgraded in that area over the past uh, 10 to 12 years, I would say. And, and so, you know, I, I know sooner fans, you know, it, it might not necessarily uh, equal what they're used to or certainly what they're going to get in the sec in the upcoming years. But I think they'll, they'll be um, pleasantly surprised with the, the Cincinnati tailgate scene and, and environment there around Nipper stadium. Well, we appreciate you, Justin. Thank you for the recommendations and your breakdown of the Bearcats. We'll see you on Saturday, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Sounds like it's going to be a great atmosphere for this one. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm excited about it. Place is going to be amped up, and it's a cool state. Like when you see it on film, it it looks like it's it's like packed right on top of the field. So it should be a great atmosphere. Yeah. All right, let's get to some of our week four previews. Loaded slate loaded. this week. Loaded. But first, John Vance Auto Group has a deal for Oklahoma Breakdown listeners. Go to any of their nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. Tell them we sent you, and they'll give you $500 off. That's $500 off just because you listen to this podcast. They've been serving Oklahomans. For 40 years, they're family-owned and operated. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way. You can find all the information about their lifetime loyalty program, browse their entire inventory, and find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. 
They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. I got it, Ted. Don't you worry, baby. <laughs> it's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you or order online from the garage in your neighborhood. Loaded week four of college football. Let's start in South Bend. Number six, Ohio State, traveling to take on number nine, Notre Dame. Currently, Ohio State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. 6.30 on NBC. Ted, I think the shark-tooth, necklace-wearing guy with the awesome beard kind of has me thinking that Notre Dame, Notre Dame can actually beat a team that's as more talented than they are. Am I crazy? I feel like Sam Hartman is putting me in a trance. It's wild to see. Have, has Notre Dame ever had an explosive offense that you can remember? No. It's 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 different, right? And I think Hartman leads college football now. They've played an extra game, but I think he leads college football in touchdowns, like 13 touchdowns, no interceptions, um, throwing the ball all over the yard, highly efficient. It's it's something I I'm with you. I think that this is a super dangerous game for Ohio State. It's going to be a huge atmosphere, right? This is this is college football right here. Ohio State Notre Dame top ten matchup. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, this is. I mean, there's an argument to be made between this and what we saw between Bama and Texas, right? As the biggest non conference game of the season. I. I'm excited to watch the battle at the line of scrimmage between these two teams. No, Ohio State's defense has started playing some better ball, right? They've started the season off playing at a much higher level. It's going to be a battle between that Notre Dame offensive line and that Ohio State defensive line. I love all the running backs that we're going to see in this game. When you look at estimate for Notre Dame, you look at Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams for Ohio State, like, I wonder if either team is going to really be able to get the run game going. I know both are going to try, but it kind of feels like all of that's going to be a wash, or at least that's the sense I get. And it's, it's going to come down to quarterback play. And that's what makes me think, you know, cause it, it, it feels like Notre Dame's got the advantage there, right? With everything all the time that Hartman has spent in college, like all the games he's played in. Meanwhile, you got Kyle McCord who, I mean, this is going to be unlike any atmosphere he's ever had to go into and play a football game. Well, here's like, can you remember the last time Ohio State hasn't had the advantage at quarterback? I, it's almost, it's almost been a wash for going back to, um, I don't know, like eight years or so that they've had, they've been excellent at quarterback and I don't think they have the advantage now 
and they don't have the defense they did. Like it's a different football team. Ohio State is. This isn't the Urban Meyer built inside out Ohio State. This is this is an offensively led, quarterback led football team, and I I just don't know that McCord gives them everything that they've had at that position over the last couple of years and they're going on the road and they're going against the quarterback right now that I I think has the advantage in this one and maybe has a large advantage. I I think I think Notre Dame's going to win this football game. Look at you. Am I, I missing something? No, I I think that you know, Kyle McCord, he's got He's got Harrison and Nabuka, right? Yeah. That can make up for a lot. For a lot. Yes. <laughs> Those two guys are absolute studs. But, you know, how does he handle everything about this game? Right? This is a massive game. Huge stage for this one. And we just don't know how he's going to respond. Right? But if he plays well, Ohio State's winning the football game. Right, there's just no da- doubt in my mind. But if he makes some mistakes, you would expect a young quarterback to make in this type of football game, in this type of atmosphere. Then, yeah, I'm with you. I could see Notre Dame winning. Now, well, if if I had to put money on it, I'd pick Ohio State to win the football game. But if you're talking, you know, getting three and a half or getting even three, I'm I'm probably taking the points with Notre Dame. But yeah, I. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think the inter- one of the interesting things about it is Notre Dame has – they've been really good, but they've been kind of a front-runner type of team, meaning if they're ahead, if they can play their style of football, they can, they can, they can hang with you. But if they fall behind – offensively they're just they have haven't been built to be able to to hang around in a shootout or to even come from behind Harmon is as much experience he has and where he's been he's played from behind a lot right I don't think he's gonna flinch I think he's gonna keep firing and I think that for the first time in a long time Notre Dame offensively has the ability to hang around in a shootout and even if they're even if they're down, continue to fight and have an opportunity. Yeah. We'll see. I'm, I'm with you. Can't wait for that game. It's gonna be fun. All right. Number four, Florida State going to Clemson. Currently, Florida State is a two and a half point favorite. This game is eleven AM Central on ABC. Ted, I don't want to be too dramatic, but this game kind of feels like a changing of the guard situation in the ACC. Mm-hmm. That's it how does. it feels to me, at least. It does. And I think Florida State's the better team. I think Florida State is more talented. I think Florida State has more momentum. I think Clemson is in what feels like a critical moment for the entire program, not just this season. Everything tells me that Florida State's going to win the game. 
except for the fact that I don't know. When's the last time Clemson has been a dog at home? It's got to be close to a decade. Oh, yeah, I don't know, but I, it's been a long, long time. I would. I don't know where the game was in 2013 when FSU uh, won the championship, but like that's probably the last time that Florida State has been a favorite going into their house. And I don't know, man. I everything is telling me Florida State, which makes me feel like Clemson is going to find a way in this one because they're at home, but. I I think it's Florida State's game to lose. Yeah, I if Clemson finds a way to win, prepare yourself for all the Dabo, okay? <laughs> I mean, just prepare yourself, ladies and gentlemen, because there will be no matter how this game goes, there's gonna be a lot of transfer portal discourse after this oh, yeah. one, right? When you when you think about what Clemson has done, what Dabo's philosophy on that whole situation has been, and then just some of these studs that Florida state has gotten via the portal. But I, I look at some people were alarmed by Florida state's, you know, close win over Boston college last week. Right. And they got a scared. There's no doubt in multiple ways, right? Boston college almost came back and beat them. And Jordan Travis went down with that non-throwing children. Now, Mike Norvell, on Monday said the non-throwing shoulder, it's not a concern moving forward. I'm going to take him at his word for that. I just, I don't think Clemson has enough firepower offensively to hang with Jordan Travis and the weapons he's got. Right. I just the Florida state's defense. They look great. They have not blown me away with the way that they have played, but I also don't have any faith in Clemson's offensive line to dominate the football game. Like, I just I just don't. So, it kind of comes down to, do I trust Cade Klubnik to play really well and be the difference in this football game for Clemson? Eh, not really. I, uh, not really. So, I, yeah, I think, I think Florida State's the better team. I'm with you. I think they're the more talented team. I, I think they're going to go into Clemson and win the football game. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I. That's that's how I would pick it, and th- that's why the, my only hesitation is that everything in the world says Florida State here, and it doesn't say Florida State goes in there and just stomps them and runs them off the field. Although that I could, I mean, I could see that scenario taking place. I think they do kind of have a really big edge at a bunch of spots, but you know, the, it's. Home environment is huge, especially there. So, I it, at a minimum, I think that environment and just kind of all of the attention for the game is is going to have Clemson playing their best ball, and they're going to be fighting down the stretch. But I don't know, Florida. If if I had to pick it one way or the other, I'd pick Florida State. I just got an uneasy feeling about it. Looks too easy. I yeah, better quarterback. Better wide receivers. Uh, best defensive players on Florida State's team. Way more star power just across the board. Yeah. Everything points to Florida State. Clemson by two touchdowns. <laughs> no, I I think the Knowles are going to get it done. All right. I'm going to give you options here. It is, it is a big weekend in the Pac-12. Loaded. 
We got three good ones. You've got number 19, Colorado, at number 10, Oregon. You've got number 22, UCLA, at number 11, Utah. And you've got number 14, Oregon State, at number 21, Washington State. Of the three-pack of the Pac-12 games, which one which one has you interested the most? Colorado and Oregon. Although I'm the same, man. I'm the same. I I I want to see football it. Football games probably Oregon State, Washington State, though. It if you have not watched either of those teams, and that game will be at <laughs> six. Really good, man. On Big Fox, I have labeled this one the "Why Don't You Love Us" bowl. Fun quarterback matchup between DJ Uyungalale and Cam Ward. Cam Ward for Washington State is fun to watch, man. But also. Oregon State's defense, it's legit, man. I mean, it's oh. legit. Their defensive line is legit. So that's going to be a fun matchup between that Oregon State defense and that Washington State offense. Yeah. I, I That game, they probably are mad that they have to play it because those two are, like, against everyone else right now and on a war path, and I think they're going to do some damage, both teams. Um, but I think that one's going to be fun. But what's interesting about Colorado and Oregon is I, Dan Lanning said way more about Colorado than what we saw last week. And I haven't hardly seen anything about that, you know? Whenever yeah, he where, was, when they announced that Colorado was leaving for the Big 12, he was like, what have they won? I mean, who cares? Who cares about? I mean, yeah. So I I thought that that would was going to be flashed all over the place this week, and Dion was going to be asked about it, and I'm sure he has, but I just I haven't seen the headlines on it. Not that they're not out there, but this one is interesting because like you can't, they're not going to beat Oregon just by going in and winging it. And not that they've been winging it, but it kind of has a feel like we're running more on emotion than we are on substance with Colorado. You're not going to be able to go into Oregon and beat them with that. You're going to have to have line of scrimmage play. You're going to have to be able to run the football. You're going to have to be able to defend the run. Uh, Oregon's going to they're they're going to test your your fortitude on the inside. Oh, there's no doubt. And, you know, with all the momentum that Deion Sanders and that program has, you got to imagine Dan Lanning, he wants to send a message, right? And this, this has game, all been fun and cute and everything, but this is what the big boys do. Yeah. So I, I'm interested to see what Shadur Sanders looks like in this game. It's quite possible he could be running for his life. Right, but he's been fun to watch up to this point. He's been excellent. So way I, better than I expected. And oh, I yeah. expected him to be good. But his numbers, like statistically, you've got like you you got like Caleb Williams, Shador Sanders, Dylan Gabriel, Penix, like those guys are all like right there, and the numbers are crazy. With with the weapons around him, right? And he's he's got some good weapons, but you know, with their shortcomings along the offensive line, with kind of the microscope he's been playing under, I think the argument can be made he's been the best quarterback in the country. 
Probably so. Uh, which is point. which is awesome. But Colorado's defense, they struggled with Colorado State's wide receivers. Oregon's got some guys that have juice, man. Can absolutely fly. Uh, Bo Nix is a really, really good player. The dual threat portion of what he can do. I don't know. I a, a big part of me thinks that this is where kind of reality sets in for Colorado. But they've also made me look like an idiot multiple times already this season. So I'm like, uh, maybe they play Oregon to the wire in Otson. I don't know. I got no clue, man. But I know this. I want to watch it. 2.30 on ABC. I want to watch it real bad. Oregon's a big favorite. 21. Big favorite. Um, It's a big number, Ted. That's a big number. But... I here's the thing, like the reality of the situation is Oregon is probably better personnel wise at almost every position. And at quarterback, I'll give the edge to Colorado, but it ain't by much. It's not like Oregon's quarterback's a bum. Like he had an incredible year a year ago. So and they're on the road. I, I, this has to be where the whole show comes to an end. And it's, I mean, it's going to be just as fun to watch and see how they react to a loss if it happens as everything else has been, right? I mean, yeah, just a, it's a circus. Can't miss. What happens if they go and win? It, it doesn't feel like a realistic possibility right now. But we've seen crazier stuff in college football, right? I mean, we've seen really weird things happen over the years in college football. What happens if they go and win? If if they go win, I I, I don't I don't it's it's it would be can you when's the last time we've seen I don't know that we've ever seen something like this. The circus would be it would be incredible. And I know a lot of people are already getting a little bit of Colorado fatigue. Not that they have anything against Dion or the how they're running things. It's just been a lot, you know. It's like if you're not very interested in it, it's a tough thing to deal with because it's it's thrown in your face nonstop. But it'd be the biggest circus we've ever seen in college football. What happens I, if they go and win? I I don't think it's going to happen. I think Oregon wins the football game. But even if they go and they make it really interesting, like it's a game in the fourth quarter, I mean, Colorado's already won. Right? They've already exceeded everybody's expectations. Like the rest of the season is just gravy for Coach Prime and those players. But, yeah, man, I I don't know. I won't be shocked if they go and – it's a game in the fourth quarter. I've doubted them up to this point. They've proved me wrong every single time. So I, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? Uh, yeah. Who knows? It, 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 yeah, it would be, that would be insane. And I, I, I'd like that, frankly. And I've got no attachment. Yeah. I got no attachment to Oregon and I'm all for 
let, let's let's have the most entertaining type of season we can. I'm with you. It one note on the UCLA Utah game. If you like physical football, that game is for you. I I don't know if Cam Rising's going to play. Sounds like it's Nate Johnson, the dual threat youngster for Utah. If Rising can't go, UCLA is playing Dante Moore, who's just an outstanding freshman. It's going to be a physical football game. Should be a good one. UCLA, of all the great Pac-12 teams, and it feels like every single team in the conference this year is really good, UCLA is like the team that's flying under the radar and really getting no love right now. So that conference is crazy. Yeah, just the way that Chip Kelly wants it. Just a reminder, loaded Pac-12 slate this weekend. That conference is dying. It will be no more. Dead. It will be no more at the end of the season. How we got there, I don't know. So uh, there's a book to be written for sure. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, do you have difficulty sitting for long periods of time or can't lay on your side due to pain? Well, it's a hip thing. And the only person to go see is Dr. Brandon Johnson at the Hip Clinic in Oklahoma City. No matter your age, the Hip Clinic has the experience and knowledge to help ease your hip pain and preserve your hip joint. Don't let the pain hold you back any longer. Don't just accept a hip replacement. Call the Hip Clinic today at 844-KEEP-HIP or visit thehipclinicokc.com. College football fans, are you in good hands? Because the insurance from Allstate, you'll have a winning game plan like reliable coverage and protection for everything life throws at you. Because just like how great protection can save a football game, it can also save you money. So get protected with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Brought to you by Allstate, you're in good hands. And Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I'm going Lane Kiffin. Now, I typically think Lane Kiffin is a douche. Okay, <laughs> that's that's just typically, tell us how you really feel. That's that's typically how I I feel and operate. But this week, his I think his douchiness is actually doing some good damage. He said this week that he thinks Kevin Steele's not calling the defense at Alabama. All right. And that's a big accusation. He says that uh, they think what the defensive backs coach is calling it just by some of the stuff that they've seen. Well, people are like, well, where do you get uh, Alabama kind of shoots that down and Saban shoots that down. And Kiffin says, well, you know, we can see some different things going on defensively. And, you know, everyone in this industry kind of knows one another. And that's the stuff that we're hearing. All right, we've we've heard that. So either it's an awesome disinformation campaign that Lane Kiffin's running or he's exposing the wounds and the nasty underbelly of what's going on at Alabama right now just to add on top of, 
you know, having lost to Texas and then did not play well against South Florida. We all saw the picture of Saban walking off the field. He looked like hell. Uh, Lake Kiffin is, he's, he's emotional warfare right now. And with Alabama exposed and vulnerable for the first time in what feels like forever, it's not a bad play from, from Lane Kiffin. I I'm with you. Right. And I think Kiffin, Kiffin seems to be really getting to into his Mike Gundy phase of his coaching career. Right. Where he's just letting it fly, man. Like yep. he, he doesn't care. He's just saying what he thinks is true. And it's clear. He thinks Travis Robinson is calling their defense. Yeah. And you can say whatever you want about Lane Kiffin. The guy knows what he's looking at when he turns the tape on. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of the guys in the SEC, they've worked together, right? Kiffin's been at Bama. He knows how they operate. So, and Saban didn't exactly come out and issue a strong denial. Okay. Right. He was it's like, right. yeah, we all collaborated. Uh, yeah, but Kevin Steele, he's calling our defense. I was, it was not something, it was not very convincing. And then, because Saban got asked about it in his presser, and then Kiffin got asked about Saban getting asked about it in his answer, and Kiffin was like, yeah, we we, we don't think Kevin Steele's called the defense. Like He doubled down on it. Yeah. He's like, I know people there. I, I coach with people there. We all, everyone in this industry kind of knows each other, so you hear things that way too, so... He's like, not only is he saying that, you know, Kevin Steele's not calling it, he's also throwing out that there's leaks in the program, right? There's people talking, talking behind Saban's back a little bit to to the situation, what's going on out there. All of it is fascinating, and uh, this is a really big moment for Alabama, right? Feels big. It feels like, it feels like, I, it, it's all been so tight for so long. No one's questioned anything about the program, right? You don't question anything that you do, how you prepare, uh, who's calling plays. Like, you don't question anything. But you lose this one, and all of a sudden, it looks like the fractures could run pretty deep. I don't know, man. It's wild. It's yeah. wild. We'll see. Yeah, big game for Jalen Milrow, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, big game. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week? Now, you mentioned it, which is interesting. I think Gundy and and how this whole thing is, has gone on. I, it's one thing to, to get beat, to get beat by a, a non-Power 5 team, but to come out and say that, well – it wasn't as bad as I thought we played better than I thought we did. You got roasted at home. Like it wasn't even close. And I understand the feeling of it not being as bad as you thought, but you can't say that. Can you, when you lose to South Alabama in the fashion that they did? I I think the, the thing that caught a lot of people's attention and it caught my attention was when he was asked, you know, about major issues. I think it was Trammell that asked him. Yeah. And he said, I don't think we have major issues. Or he said, I don't think we have majors, I think is what the quote was. 
I I respect the absolute hell out of Mike Gundy. What he's done at Oklahoma State is fantastic. I don't think he I gets agree. enough credit for I what agree. he's done. But I don't know how it's possible to turn on the tape and watch that offensive line and not think it's a major issue. Well, they're awful. Maybe maybe he's just not saying it publicly. Right. That's what he I was about knows to say. it's a major issue. They can't block anyone. Like there's there's one thing of like knowing it and like not walking out there and it just destroying your guys, your team to the media. Right. right. What he says to the media is not necessarily what they're thinking and what they're saying inside that building. But you like you have to understand like the mindset a little bit of where the fan base is. And like you don't have to go out there and say, We're doomed, this is horrible, the whole season's gonna fall apart. But you have to at least show a little bit of concern as to what just went down on Saturday night, right? So I thought that was wild. The other thing I I'm I'm kind of shocked with his stance on the portal. I they're made for the Oklahoma State is made for the portal. Made for it. I I feel like they would have a ton of success in the portal if they tried it. But I don't know. I just I I was kind of shocked by the press conference that Gundy gave. Yeah, it it could be a long season in Stillwater. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see, but yeah. Guy's got the ultimate job security, man. So who yeah. knows? But yeah, yeah the uh the beatdown they received via South Alabama, that was alarming, and Gundy doesn't seem too alarmed, which is interesting. I know it. It's wild. Yeah. All right, let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first, elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that will give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They've also got top-of-the-line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. They're Oklahoma-owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-495. 1722 or visit chapelsupply.com that's c-h-a-p-p-e-l-l supply.com and first fidelity bank is a full service financial institution based in oklahoma with tailored solutions for your personal and business needs checking accounts saving accounts home loans and much more they do it all whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone everything is stress-free with ffb making mobile deposits paying bills online and moving money to different accounts could not be easier Make your life easier, people, and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And don't forget to head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast, merchandise, and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Coach Prime. Right. First of all, I thought it was important that he came out and told people to leave that safety from Colorado State alone. Yep. Right. It seemed like that thing had gotten a little out of hand. You start hearing about a kid getting death threats. Listen, man, it was it a dirty play? Absolutely. But I thought that I thought that was a really, really important thing that he came out and said, Hey, y'all, y'all leave Blackburn alone. 
I, I and thought Travis that, Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Travis Hunter said the same thing. Like, Hey, he's just playing football. So I, I thought he was, that was really important that he did that. But also Colorado, Colorado state, 9.3 million viewers in that window. That is a, that time slot for ESPN last year averaged 1.7 million viewers, Ted. That's crazy. That I don't, I don't know what time that game was over. One thirty ish later. All I know is I was awake. I was too. <laughs> and judging by like Twitter, everyone else was uh, also. Poor yeah. people on the East Coast had uh, a rough time, but yeah, that's it was huge numbers. It is the fifth most watched regular season game ever on ESPN. Crazy. I mean, it is. And isn't crazy. it the most streamed college football game ever? Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's a fun product. The team's fun to watch. It's entertaining, man. This is the entertainment industry. It's well, think about that game. Like 9.3 million viewers, but I don't know that a single game has ever grabbed people's attention for as long of a span. Like it started on like Monday before the game, right? Went all the way through the week. All kinds of like ramping up towards the game. The game happened and it didn't disappoint. It was amazing. I don't care how good either team was. And then on the back end of it, like two, three days later, it was still one of the number one topics. Like that's, that's headlines, point. man. <laughs> yeah. And it made me think Brett Yormark, right? Just a reminder Colorado's going to be the Big 12 next year. Brett Yormark's number one priority as the Big 12 commissioner needs to be doing whatever it takes to keep Deion Sanders at Colorado for as long as possible. No kidding. Because it is clear being in the Deion Sanders business is good for business, man. Oh yeah. I mean, people are watching, people are consuming it. I wouldn't even be opposed. Like if you're the other big 12 schools being like, Hey, what do we got to do to keep Dion there? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. could we put together like a messy Apple type of deal? Like, I, I think it, it creates so much value for that conference if he's coaching in it and if Colorado, because as long as he's coaching Colorado, I think they're going to be relevant and I think they're going to be pretty good. Right. That's yeah. where I'm at with it. So there's something to think about. But my winner of the week, Patrick Mahomes. Now, the Chiefs didn't play particularly well in their game against Jacksonville last weekend, but they got the win right on the road. Mahomes got a bigger win off the field. Chiefs restructured his deal, going to get $210.6 million between 2023 and 2026. All guaranteed, Ted. That'll work, and that man deserves every dollar. He's fantastic. Yeah, what's that? 50-plus million a year guaranteed. Um, yeah, and I don't know how that helps them because like, he obviously just had that big deal. I read something about the roster bonus and like him pushing the timeline back. So it allows the Chiefs to have a better, like a clearer plan and what they can do in free agency before they got to pay him the bonus. That's what I read, but he's still underpaid. (laughs) Like the guy's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, I don't know. I don't know who the highest paid quarterback is now. If this makes him, if he's back to the number one, 
quarterback or number one player in football. I'm not sure, but uh, there's really not a number that you can put on it that you would feel like is too much, <laughs> right? Because, like, I don't know. I don't. They're a good team, but I don't know what they are without Patrick Mahomes, just like I, everyone else. Yeah. I saw, I think it was their owner, Clark Hunt, who was like, yeah, you really can't put a price on it, what he means to us financially. <laughs> like, so. Yeah. Uh, congrats to Patrick Mahomes. All right, for my loser of the week, thought about going with Mel Tucker. Just Michigan State informed him of their intent to fire him with cause. I'm sure uh, there is quite the legal battle looming. Just the more you think about it, what are you? What were you thinking, man? It's just a really stupid way to lose all that guaranteed money. Wow. I mean, gosh, it's brutal. It's brutal. I, you know, I don't know. Like the whole situation is is ugly. Is I I don't think Michigan State is like it just goes to show that when when there's that much money on the line you better make sure you dot the i's and cross the t's because as soon as people are against you like as soon as things flip like you never know what's going to happen I and I I I'm not saying that this is a a hit job on Mel Tucker, but I'm saying that Michigan State is using it as a hit job on Mel Tucker. Yeah, he made it easy. If Mel Tucker was winning, this Michigan State would do everything in their power to like bury this story, not like use it to fire him, right? That's fair. I think I think people that live in reality would agree with you. Yeah. So especially with Michigan State's history. Right. So I, I it's just a crazy, crazy ordeal all the way around. Yeah. But my loser of the week, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. Right. Now last week they were riding high. Right. Beat the hell out of the Bengals, but lost to the Steelers on Monday night football. Losing the game is one thing. Right. Losing Nick Chubb hurts, man. I mean, that's a whole other thing. He's an excellent running back, arguably the best in the league. From everything I've ever been told by guys that play with him, he's an awesome guy, great teammate. That was a gross knee injury, man. I I know he's had one before. That that was rough to watch. You hope he can get back to who he is, but man, ugh. it Yikes. was rough to watch, and it was it was so I don't know if everyone has seen it, but it looks like one of those that could have been way worse than what happened, right? Like yeah. almost like a Teddy Bridgewater type of situation. Yeah. You know, so I hate that for him. That's that's just brutal. No, it's it is brutal. It's brutal for that team. What else is brutal for that team is Deshaun Watson's not good. And I won't lie, I I played for the Browns two different times. Like I root for them to succeed. I have a very difficult time rooting for them now. And I don't think I'm alone in that. They gave him all that guaranteed money. They opened themselves up to all the criticism, right? 
and I'm kind of to the point where I think he's never going to be good again. And I don't mind that one bit. I don't. And he was not good on Monday Night Football. He looks significantly less mobile than he used to. Now people are trying to make a big deal out of him, kind of shoving the ref. Uh, he was arguing with a guy. He the moment thing. I don't think that, I think that got kind of blown out of proportion. Now his answer to it in his press conference. Yeah. I mean, the jokes write themselves. Okay. But I just, I, I that's where I'm at with Deshaun Watson. I think everything that has gone on, right. That honestly, he brought on himself. I think it just weighs on him constantly. I don't think he's ever going to be a good quarterback again. And I'm I fine agree. with that. And think about how how much time off did he have? How much time away? It's like multiple. It was essentially multiple years. Right. That's a long time. And maybe he is able to recapture some of that, but I feel like a lot of it slipped away during those years. That's He lost two years in his prime, right? And I know that everyone like works and, but when you know, you're not going to play for that long of a period, like your skills just naturally lose their edge. And it's not a guarantee that you're able to, to get them back. And then you throw on top, like you said, all of kind of the, like the middle aspect that goes with it. I don't know. Yeah. And also they had the new jerseys going in that game. I mean, Miles Garrett, though, a little hobbled late. So we'll see if there's anything with that. But one other thing, it is it is not lost on Cleveland Browns fans how solid Baker Mayfield has looked so far in Tampa. <laughs> they see that. I know, and man. they loved Baker. Right now, it, the, the business part of that entire thing happened, but I believe from the people that I know that are Browns fans, I believe that fan base would trade Watson for Baker straight up and not even like in, in an instant. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, especially he's just impossible win. to root for man. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's it, this, it has to be, it will see, but it's looking pretty strong that this is the worst transaction in American professional sports because <laughs> every dime of his contract is guaranteed and he's not uh, good and they paid him 50 million dollars for a year he didn't even play knowingly they paid him that on that note episode 355 in the books we'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Sunday just a reminder you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. Enjoy the games. Loaded slate on Saturday. And then until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
just one more time.